Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. I got some good news, and I have some bad news. When someone asks you that, which do you want to hear first? Bad news first? You usually want to hear the bad news? Yeah, I learned the hard way. When my, when my daughter called me and said, I have some good news and some bad news, and I said, let's hear the good news first. And she said, well, everyone is okay. <laughs> oh, I have a pretty good idea what the bad news is. How bad is it? What's the damage? Uh, how much is this going to cost me? And, and so for that reason, I have learned to ask for the bad news first so that when I get to the good news that I'll maybe end it on a little bit of a, a high note. The problem is, is that sometimes when we ask for the bad news and then for the good news, the bad news is so jarring to us that we don't get around to hearing the good news. And so if you go into the doctor's office, I've never had a doctor ask me, do you want to hear the bad news or the good news? Uh, I think they pretty much know they're coming with the bad news first. And so what happens, and, and, and I've seen this in, in the past week, I've run into this with a number of situations where, where a person goes in and, and they're not feeling well and they're told, you need heart surgery. Your arteries are blocked. If you don't do something about this immediately, you are going to die. And, and the situations that, that I've run into this week with people that I know are that severe. And so what happens is you, need, you have to have bypass surgery or you have cancer. That very often when people hear those words, they have so much meaning attached and so much history because of the people that we know who have cancer, because of the people we know that have died from cancer, who have died from heart disease. And so when we hear that, we not only hear the bad news, but all the bad news that we've ever heard in our life associated with that, and, and immediately we go into this where we're, our mind are racing, and we don't necessarily hear the doctor say, and this is what we're going to do about it. And, and this is our plan of action. And, and it's so clouded that the good news doesn't necessarily come through right away and we don't process it right away because the bad news is so jarring. Well, today, as, as we, we look into God's word, we are going to see that in every message in the book of Acts, and, and really just about in every sermon that Jesus preached as well, that he could start the message by saying, I have some good news and I have some bad news. And one of the things that I've found is that when people say, okay, we'll lead with the bad news, that as you lead with it, the response is, don't judge me. Don't, don't, doctor, don't judge me. Don't you tell me I'm sick. Don't, and there is this, this inability to, to get past the bad news or to really fully explore what exactly the doctor, spiritual doctor, Jesus, the, the healer of souls, what he's saying about our sickness. It's not judgment. It, it's a recognition of sickness. 
and then also to listen to what he says about the cure. And so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go to Acts chapter 2, beginning with the 14th verse, and I want you to, to couch this, this reading in terms of Peter being a doctor and talking to people to tell them this is, we, we've done an analysis of everything that's gone on and what we found is you're sick or, or you are sinful, however you want to say it. But I want you to think of this in terms of good news and bad news, the bad news coming first and what the overall message is that's being shared. In Acts chapter 2 we read, starting with verse 14, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. Remember, they're speaking in different languages, and and people were saying they were drunk. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken about by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. And God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave or to the realm of the dead and you will not let your holy ones see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here today. But he was a prophet and knew that the Lord had promised to him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. He, Jesus, was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, 
and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So that was his message. And individuals who heard this would have all kinds of different reactions. So you're saying, it's my fault, I killed Jesus. Well, no, I didn't. Nice try, Peter. Don't put that on me. Don't try to pin that murder on me. Some probably did that. And they couldn't get past the bad news. They couldn't get past the, the accusation of blame. You're judging me. You're the one who's saying, I did this and I didn't do it. You don't even know who I am. Who are you to judge me? God says not to judge. Jesus said not to judge. There would have been others who, who would have said, you know what? <laughs> we were guilty of that. that. That Jesus, I was there. I was one of the people yelling. And then still others would have, would have said, oh my goodness, this is part of God's plan. This, is, this has been part of God's plan all along and this is how finally he comes to me today to bring restoration. I don't know where you're at today. And honestly, it doesn't make any difference. Because what we're going to do, like, like Peter did, is go to an audience of, of many different people and see exactly what this message means to us and how the Holy Spirit works through law, bad news, and gospel, good news, to, to bring about change in people's hearts and restoration with God. So we go to the crosswalk notes. We're going to start with Acts 2, verses 14 to 16. And it says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. As Paul is sharing these words, he knows that he is dealing with a number of individuals. And and they come from a different perspective. And and let's do the fill-ins right away to see what those individuals, the the people who were there, what they might have been thinking. First of all, uh, when God's word is spoken, you will have a critic. So the critic. Sometimes the critic can also be the skeptic. And, and so this, the, the skeptic, the critic, will say something like, no, 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 no. Or just maybe something like, I don't know. That, that for the critic, that they, they look at it and they look at it critically and say, this doesn't necessarily make sense to me. And in this situation, you can understand it. The critic is going to say, I've never seen anyone rise from the dead, so I don't get it. I, I, don't, I don't think that happens. I have never seen that. The critic says, I don't think these people are speaking in tongues. This is crazy. I've never heard of that happening before. And so as a critic, what I'm going to do is come up with an explanation that seems right to me. And what it sounds like to me is what it sounds like at bar time, when people are talking stupid. And, and that's what must be going on. They must be drunk. And if you are here as a critic today, 
That's okay. Welcome to Crosswalk. Feel free to be critical. I have no problem with it. The next group are the curious. The curious person would say, I'd like to know more. That, that as I'm here, I, I hear what you're saying and I'm, I'm a little bit curious. These would have been the people who, who, if asked, why are you here, they would have said, well, I heard the, that noise. I heard that noise of the wind and it sounded like something crazy was going on, so I just came over here to see what was going on. That, that maybe they saw the tongues of fire. They said, I've never seen anything like that. And, and so I, I'm going to come over here. You know who you are. When the fire truck comes to your neighborhood, you get in the car, you drive over, hey, what's going on? It's, hey, they're bringing out the neighbor on the stretcher, what's that all about? Yeah, sometimes the negative side of curious is you're into other people's business, okay? I know who you are. I might even be one of you. But when you see the, when you see the, when you see the flashing lights, you don't say, let's go this way to stay away from it. You say, let's go this way to see what's going on. That's the curious. And, the, and there were curious people at that time too. They wanted to see what was going on at the temple. They didn't want to miss it. The next one is the ignorant. And the ignorant person is going to say, I didn't know. What? What's this all about? I've never heard of this before. This is the first. I never hear. I'm always the last to know. How come I'm always the last to know? And the reason why is because you're ignorant. You don't know. That you, <laughs> see, we look at that as an accusation, but it's not necessarily. Ignorance simply means at this time, I did not know that. And these people would have been in this crowd as well. Peter could have said, you should have known this, but he doesn't. He says, for those of you who don't know, I'll walk through it with you again today because it'll be a good review for the curious and, and the critic and the final group, and that is the believer. And the believer says, I know. <laughs> I know. Isn't this awesome? Yeah, that, that this happened to Jesus? Yeah, I know. I know about this. Tell me again. Tell me again. I know this, but I don't, I want to know it more. I want to better understand this. And so, both at Pentecost and here today, you are all basically falling to one extent or another in this group. And the beauty of it is it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make any difference because this message, and, and Peter is sharing it and it's through the Holy Spirit, that, that he's saying if you are a critic, make sure you have your facts straight. And so he does address the, the critic and says, you know what, you're talking about that it's this and this. Well, you need to get your facts straight. You need to listen around a little bit. It's fine for you to be critical, but once you get the information, you need to make educated decisions as well. If you're a critic of us and you're a critic of what is going on, the question I have is, do you accept Joel as a witness, the prophet Joel? Do you accept King David as a witness? And so, critic, continue to be critical, but I'm going to bring in witnesses that you recognize as faithful, that you recognize are from God. And so, if you're not going to listen to me, listen to what they said. The curious, I want to know more, I want to see what's going on. Well, listen, do a little research, listen to these words. The ignorant is very much the same way. I didn't know about this, well, now you do. 
And for the believer, this is how faith is strengthened, that, that as we see God's plan, you get to put the pieces of the puzzle together a little bit more. The next verses then, we go down to Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and verse 21. And this is what he is saying. Peter says, in the last days, God says, so these are the words of God spoken through Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He is telling all of them, as I've already said, this is what God says, that you need to be listening to this and you need to make sure that you make the connection between everything that happened in the life of Jesus, everything that has happened now in these past 50 days, everything that's happening now as these individuals are are given the ability to speak in different languages and and share the, the story of Jesus Christ, that you need to take this into account. And these are things that you need to know if any of this is going to make sense. Because the faith that we have is faith is trusting God, right? Faith is, is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And at the same time, this is part of a plan that God has set in place that he's revealed to us. He's revealed to us since the beginning of time. And so as we have these words in the Bible, as we have them through his Holy Spirit, he tells us pay attention to them. In the blank, Uh, God's goal is to convince all people of his saving love found in Jesus Christ through the teaching of law and gospel. Of law and gospel. So get ready. There's going to be some bad news and there's going to be some good news and we're going to go through both. The next words from Acts chapter 2 verses 22 to 25 Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. I think, first of all, we we need to stop there. And and with the, the individuals, all the individuals that would have been there, and they had come from all different nations, Let's talk about this Jesus a little bit and why it is that we should listen to him. And so some of those things that he's talking about, the miracles, the wonders, the signs, you know what he did. You know, it was the Pharisees themselves when Jesus was being put to death. Remember what they said? He saved others, but he can't save himself. And so by your very words, what you're doing is you're saying he did save others. That he did come to people who were lame, who were blind, who were hurting, who had leprosy, who were, had demons, all of that. That you know that there was no explanation for what was done other than Jesus performed a miracle. You know that. And, and because of that, you know that he was accredited by God. That let's just start there for a moment. That, that Jesus, can you deny that Jesus was a, a good man, that he was a kind man? Can you deny the fact that individuals would come to him, that he was recognized as someone who could help? And the reality was there was no response to that other than, yeah, 
Yeah. 2,000 years later, Jesus is still recognized as someone who was accredited by God. As someone that, that was from God who did good and, and who gave love. At the very least, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, have put him to death. You, with the help of wicked men, have put him to death. These are words of law. This is, in essence, what he's saying. God is dead, and it's your fault. And and when they heard those words, as you know this, as you know when, when there are specific accusations against you, that, that chances are that the closer they are to the truth, the more they hurt. That, that when someone comes after you, and, and, and it doesn't matter who it is, if they don't like you, if they do like you, whatever, maybe it's someone at work, that if they come and they found either, either an area of negligence or laziness, and you are exposed, that you scramble to cover it up. That, that's human nature. And, and so what he does is he goes right for the juggler. And you, by the help of wicked men, have put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible to death, for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Turn the page and let's put in the next fill-in. God's law leads me to say, if what this man is saying is true, I am doomed. If what Peter is saying, that we killed the Son of God, maybe if we try to be good people, God will like us again. Maybe if you kill one of my children and then you're nice to me afterwards, I'll say, don't worry about it. We're good. No. No. That's not the way it works. That, it, that if you realize I killed this person's child on purpose, that I now have an enemy forever. Now, the, the law is preached in such a way that it's meant to be a rifle shot to your heart. That, that the law is preached properly. It, it is meant that, that to say, Again, if what this person is saying is true, I'm doomed. And Jesus was the master of it. He said, you've heard it say, do not murder. And when he, when he would have preached that, everyone would have said, yeah, I haven't killed anybody, I'm, I'm good. Or, or a few people, maybe they did. But, but, but most people would have said, I have never murdered someone. But then Jesus says this, but I tell you, anyone who says to his brother, you fool, is in the danger of the fires of hell. So I'm not going to ask you to raise hands if you've ever committed a murder, but if we were to say, have you ever called someone a name? Have you ever called someone stupid, idiot, whatever? Probably you did that before you were 10 years old. And your parents told you, stop using that word. And right now they're going to, you're like, I know pastor said it on the stage, but don't you ever repeat that. That's not nice words. And what Jesus is saying is, if, if you've done that, has anyone here done that? 
Yeah, there you go. Thank you. You know what the payment for that is? It's hell. That sin, that sin is putting the Son of God, it's how we, with the help of wicked men, put Jesus to death. Because if there was no other sin but that sin, your sin, Jesus would have had to die the same death. But I know there's critics here. And I know that there are curious people here, and I know that there are ignorant people here as well. And so the critic is saying, you're, you're using minimization. You're minimizing your sin. It's not the same to call someone an idiot and to shoot them in the head. It's not the same. Okay, critic, that, that's, that's fine. But as we look at these words, listen to the words of Christ and do they resonate in your heart? Or, or, or we can go to later in that same sermon. You've heard it say, do not commit adultery. But I say anyone who has looked at a, a woman lustfully was, has already committed adultery in the heart. Same critic is going to say, that's not the same. Looking at her and thinking she's good looking and hot is not the same as sleeping with her. Okay, tell your wife when she walks by then. She's smoking hot. I've been like looking at her the whole time. And let your wife be the judge of whether or not that is a violation of God's law. The law is preached in such a way that when it is pointed out in our hearts, you can try to minimize it. You can try to rationalize it. You can try to say whatever you want. But the reality of it is, is that by virtue of being guilty of sin, you are worthy of death. If, if, if what I am saying from this stage is true, you are doomed. And these individuals knew it as well. And that's why they, it says that they were cut to the heart, that they knew what Peter was saying resonated with them. You see, we're so used to, I see this so much in my ministry, that when I talk with people, all they want to hear about is the argument in the diagnosis. Doctor, I'm not that sick. I'm not dying. I don't need anything. And because of that, you never get to, around to the cure. These are the next words. But. 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 There's another side to this. That this is the sickness, but, but he was a prophet and knew that God had promised on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. And he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Let's get to that fill-in. The gospel offers us God's cure, remedy, whatever word you want to use there, solution. It leads me to say, if what this man is saying is true, there is hope for me. That, that, there, that there is a future, that, that this, even though this reality that I'm dealing with and the pain and the hurt I've caused and it seems so irreparable and I can't do anything to get out of this, that there's still hope for me. That there is still God's love and his promises are for me. 
I don't know if, if all the hospitals do this or not, but the one hospital, a heart hospital that I went to, did this. And, and when you had a heart surgery, what they did is they give you a heart pillow. Has, has anyone around here seen those? Do they have them around in these hospitals too? And so what they do is when you have the heart, sur- the heart pillow, they take a, a marker and they draw on there what they're going to do to your heart to, to fix it. And I, I, they do it for a number of reasons. One of them is so that when people like me come in, I would be the curious, well, what did they do for your heart? That they can, instead of trying to explain to me, because I'm also ignorant, that, that you would, they, they let you have that pillow so you can just hold it up and say, look at the picture. That's what they did. Does that help? Now, now do you have this figured out? And the other reason they give you that pillow is so you can hold it when you cough because it's killing you uh, after the heart surgery as you recover. And that's what this is. That that what Peter is saying, the thing about it is is the, the law part is so personal because we lived it. But the gospel part, like the doctor explaining the surgery, can be foreign to us. It's foreign to us, and sometimes even, God forbid, that the gospel seems almost academic. Because what it points to is it's like the surgery. We're going to do this and this and this. And that's foreign to me. I don't understand that. I understand what it's like to be hurting. I understand what it's like to not be operating at full capacity. I get that. But now what Peter is, is pointing something to us that is, that is foreign. But this is the way that health comes and it comes through a promise. And, and he, he left little clues throughout his whole sermon about this. You had this, but it was part of God's deliberate plan. Those are words of gospel. God has planned for this. God has planned for your abandoning him. God has planned for you turning on him. And now what he has is this solution through Jesus Christ, through his death, through his resurrection, through, through his life, you now have life as well. And it's so important to, to make sure we listen. Law and gospel are meant to be used together. And they're meant to be used daily for this the reality in which we live, that I'm a sinner and a saint at the same time. That on the same time I sin and, and, I, and I hate it and I can't do anything about it and I'm sick. And that I live with the solution inside of me through the power of his Holy Spirit. This good news and bad news is going to be good news and bad news until Jesus returns, and it's all good news. But we are not cured completely yet. We go to the next words. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And, and there we go. That is the question of faith. That, that as we realize what the law has done its job, I'm doomed. And I hear these words. Now, what is my next step? What do I do? In the blank, you can write, The Holy Spirit leads us to our first step of faith. Law and gospel brings us to faith through the work of the Holy Spirit, that we believe God, that this is that we go from critic or curious to, or ignorant to believer, that we say, yeah, what God is saying is true. And then to a life of next steps. 
to a life of next steps. And I want to make sure I, I, I'm clear, clear on this. Your sins are forgiven completely. That is over. That is done for. They are, they are gone in God's eyes. And yet what remains for us is, is living this Christian life, waiting for Christ's return while, while we enjoy it completely. And so in the middle of there are next steps. For the people that day, they were asking, what's my next step? And Peter or Peter pointed to baptism and said, the next step for many of you is to go to the waters of baptism where your sins are washed away. For others, the next step would have been, come and meet with us. We meet every day in the temple courts and we continue to go over this Old Testament prophecy like Joel and the words of David and we continue to grow in our faith. That's what we do. And, and so there were always these next steps of the way that people could grow in their faith, of the ways that they could serve, that this was the beginning. It wasn't the end, it was the start of this wonderful relationship with God through law and gospel. And the final words... Acts 2, 38 and 39, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, that gift is given to us through the preaching of God's word, law and gospel, the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ, the bad news of sin. It's how the Holy Spirit works. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. What he was saying is the fill-in. Change your mind. Change your mind about God. That's repentance. That's what repent means. Change your mind. Stop being the critic. Go from curious to believer. Go. Stop being ignorant. Change your mind about God. Change your mind if you think you're someone who can work through the, the difficulties of your life. If you, by just being a good person, can try to make God love you again. Change your mind about that. It doesn't work. Change your mind about God. Be assured that God's promise is for you. Every Sunday at Crosswalk, we use law and gospel. And sometimes the law part is when, well, all, every week, it's when Stephen talks about times that we have failed, that we sin. And in that way, it, it's a little bit general because it's spoken in such a way that it applies to all of us. But when you use God's law, and his gospel, and, and specifically use his law, read his word, and, and go specifically and apply it to your own heart, that is when it becomes, I'm just going to tell you, it becomes delicate surgery. It really is. It, it's so delicate because when God's word, and, and when other brothers and sisters in Christ, and people who love you and care about you, when they get close to areas of sin in our lives, I'm just telling you, it, it's like any other area that's hurting, that, that if you have a sore arm, if you have a broken arm and someone goes and touches it, you're going to have this immediate reaction to want to pull away because it's sore. It's an area that is hurting. And so my encouragement, if you're working either with yourself or, or, or with someone else with God's law, be gentle, <laughs> gentle. I know you just want to go in there and rip it out, but, but gentle. Peter was, Jesus definitely was, but he was also firm. This is what we need to do. This needs to be taken out. 
This needs to be removed. This delicate surgery needs to be done on your heart and on your lives. And the way that it is done, the way that change is made is not through the threats of the law. The way that change happens in your lives and in your hearts is when you remember that you are loved. That God loves you. I have said this before. God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to let you stay that way. And, and, and so that's this, that's this law and gospel. That's how change is brought, is when, when our weaknesses and our sin is brought before God on a daily basis, and he says, I love you and I forgive you. This is a message for all of us, but this is a message for you individually. Listen, it's bad news and it's good news. But I'm telling you, at the end of the day, it's good news. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that you love us enough to be honest with us about our shortcomings and and the things in our lives that are causing the pain and the hurt and heartache. Lord, if we trace any of those things back to their origin, I guarantee you we are going to find sin. And so, Lord, help us to change our attitudes about it, about the, the things that we know are wrong. Help us to, to purge that from our hearts. Help, help us to, to do this bypass surgery. Do this surgery on us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit. And, and more than anything else, Lord, help us to, on a daily basis, wake up and know that we are forgiven, that we are loved, that, that you have washed us in the waters of baptism, that, that you have a deliberate plan through Jesus Christ to save us. And Lord, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to to help us grow in understanding of your great love for us and, and kind of get our arms around it each day as you put your arms around us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. Okay, as we uh, worship today, a reminder, the next two weeks, we have one of the things we really enjoy, and that is family worship at Crosswalk, which means uh, a lot of the kids will be joining us for worship. We'll have a kid's message as part of it. And it's a way that we come together as a family here at Crosswalk. So a reminder of that. And the second thing, as I was uh, listening to this song about the healing that goes on, is is I don't want to minimize the distance from from hearing God's law and and hearing his gospel, that there's a lot of healing that needs to take place in in life as well. And so I'd like you to to join me in prayer right now. And and dear Lord, we we pray to you, we mentioned two different types of people in our congregation who are, are hurting and those who have heart issues and those who have cancer. And Lord, even though that, that it might be a situation where you hear the bad news, it is jarring. And, and it is hard. And there's a long distance a, a lot of times uh, between hearing the problem and, and finding some type of resolution. We also pray for those who are in recovery, Lord. It's the same thing where it, identification of, of the issue is one thing and, and the solution and the forgiveness we have. But Lord, in the middle of this, there's healing. And so we ask what this song asked, and Lord, let your grace hold us through all of this. There are people here today who are hurting. All of us are to an extent. Let your grace hold us as we use law and gospel, and Lord, in your grasp, let us heal. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And as you go, go with the Lord's blessing.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. You have a great day.